Well, today we are starting a new sermon series. You see the graphic down there in the corner, <laughs> uh, Joy in Christ. What does it mean to have joy in Christ? And Pastor Al said in, uh, I think it was the second song, he mentioned a sermon series on Philippians. That was one of the plans along the way uh, to just go through Philippians. Joy is a major theme there. But I've decided to make it a topical study, looking at joy in Christ throughout Scripture. And we will be spending a lot of time in Philippians because there is so much in Philippians about joy in Christ. Uh, But we'll, we'll be looking at it broader throughout Scripture as well. You know, it's ironic, these being on YouTube, because uh, I, I thought about how to start. And I remember a YouTube video from many years ago, and I think I've shared this in church before, but there was a little boy, and it's on Christmas morning, and he opens up this package, this gift on Christmas morning, and he holds up this toy dinosaur, and you see just the joy in his face, utter expression of happiness and excitement. And he cries out in this excited voice, a dinosaur, a dinosaur. And that is immediately followed by a look of profound sorrow and disappointment and anguish as he begins to sob and says, I don't like dinosaurs. And I think that video is so hilarious that right away he's overjoyed. He's so excited, and then in the next moment, he's disappointed when he realizes this is not what he wanted. And I wonder how often we ride that roller coaster of disappointment. How often are we so excited and overjoyed in one minute, and then down in the dumps the next? And why? What is it that causes that? You know, we're in a difficult time right now with this pandemic and the social isolation. I don't know about you, but I'm going crazy inside my house. I'm going a bit stir crazy. My family's going stir crazy. This is messing with our heads in a way that other things haven't. This is such a unique situation. And then on top of that, many of you are dealing with things in your own life and struggles. And this just compounds struggles upon struggles. People are missing graduations. Wedding plans are being postponed. I saw my cousin uh, posted something on Facebook. He watched his daughter get married over a video feed because he couldn't go to her wedding. Just so many difficult times. And this is why I chose this sermon series topic, because it's a huge theme in Scripture, and it's a theme I think we desperately need right now in our lives. We need joy in Christ. We need to know what that joy is. We need a joy that looks beyond our situations to something stronger than what we're going through right now. So let's walk through this. And I want to think first about why does joy matter? Does it really matter? Should we, is it right to focus on joy? Well, Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 11, Uh, that we should have joy. He wants us to have joy. He says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Jesus wants them to have joy and not just a little joy, but a complete joy. Joy matters because Jesus wants us to have joy. But we can go farther. Not only does he want us to have joy, he commands us to have joy. Philippians chapter 4 verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. 
You see that there? It's, it's a command. And this command is repeated at least three other times in the book of Philippians. Rejoice. You must have joy. You are in Christ to have joy. It is a command to be obeyed. This is in the Old Testament as well. Psalm 97, verse 12. Rejoice in the Lord, you who are righteous, and praise his holy name. Rejoice. There's the command Jesus said as well in Matthew chapter 5, verse 12 in the Sermon on the Mount. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And we're going to come back to that in a second. But you see there this command throughout Scripture. Rejoice. Seek joy. Find joy. So joy matters because God says so. That's why it matters. Now, we need to look at what is the difference between joy and happiness. Because I think this is one of the biggest difficulties in our struggle or our understanding of joy in our contemporary society is that we mix these two. In fact, sometimes even the translators of Scripture, I think, struggle with this. In uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 11, in the Beatitudes, they say, blessed is one, blessed is the one, it goes on and on. And some translations will say, happy is the one. I think that's an unfortunate choice of words, because what Jesus is talking about there, I believe, goes way beyond what we think of as happiness. Now, I want to be careful. What I'm about to say does not go along with Webster's Dictionary or something. It's just how I think we use these words. If somebody asks you how you feel, and your response is, happy, think why. Usually you're happy because something good has happened. Maybe you got a new job. You got a promotion. Maybe you just had a baby. Maybe the weather has turned nice outside. It finally quit snowing. Maybe the social isolation has been lifted, or there's hope. There's happiness Because some good situation has happened in your life. It's a response to something that has happened. But I would suggest that that's not what Jesus is talking about in in the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes and this idea of blessed. Because he says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So their situation is a situation that should cause them to mourn. Should they be happy in response to that situation? I think we're beginning to see that Scripture's understanding of this this thing that's more than happiness, which is what I'm going to look at as joy, this thing that's more than happiness goes outside of our situation. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 and 12, we looked at verse 12 earlier, but Jesus says, rejoice and be glad in verse 12. But in verse 11, he says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. So so there's a situation you're being persecuted, falsely accused. People are saying evil things about you. And Jesus says, yeah, yeah, there, you should rejoice. And again, I think Jesus is talking about something much deeper than what we would call happiness. He's speaking about something that is joyous, that goes beyond the situation of the persecution. Joy. Why? Well, look at that one little word there in verse 12. Because. Rejoice and be glad because. 
And there's where we see that Jesus, while he's talking about a situation of difficulty and suffering and sorrow and persecution, maybe even anger, he's saying, but your joy, rejoicing and being glad, is because of something outside of that situation. Great is your reward in heaven. Joy is based on something outside of our situation, not a response to or a reaction to our situation. When Paul says rejoice in the Lord, again I say rejoice in Philippians chapter 4, he's not saying everything's great with the situation at Philippi. In fact, he talks about his own joy and he's certainly not in a great situation. He's in jail. Uh, He's probably facing his own death very soon. At least he knows that's a great possibility. He might be killed for his faith very soon. He also says there are other Christian teachers stirring up trouble for him. And yet in this situation, he says he has joy. Well, what about the Philippian church that he writes to? This was a very proud Roman city. They had great tolerance of other religions, but it was a restrictive tolerance. Well, you could believe whatever you wanted as long as it kind of fit in with what they already wanted you to believe. Not unlike our society today. In fact, it was such a struggle for the gospel there that this was one of many cities that when Paul went there to preach the gospel, he was thrown into jail. The church also during this time was deeply concerned about Paul because he's in prison, possibly facing death. Chapter 4, verse 2 says there is a deep division between two women in the church, so Paul is writing to help them with that as well. So you see that things are not perfect in the Philippian church. They're not easy This isn't a happy situation necessarily, and yet, still Paul says in Philippians 4.4 and elsewhere throughout the book, rejoice in the Lord. Always, I will say it again, rejoice. Why? Why can they have joy? How can they have joy when their situation is difficult? It's because their joy is not based on their situation. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul gives us one of the greatest pictures of Jesus Christ, how he leaves heaven, lives as a servant, born in a manger, how he goes to the cross and dies, pays for our sin, rises from the grave, and ascends back to the right hand of God the Father. This huge picture of who Jesus is. And he puts that picture in the heart of this letter that is all about joy. Why? Because Paul knows If they are going to have joy, they must have their eyes set on Jesus Christ. Here we begin to see and to understand a true definition of Christian joy. It is not based on our situations. It is not based on things going on in our life. It is rooted in Jesus Christ. To begin to understand the nature of true joy, Christian joy, we must understand that it is joy in Christ. Joy that sinks down roots deeply into our Savior to draw up nourishment. This idea of roots, drawing up nourishment, as as kind of a, a symbol of our Christian faith is used several times throughout Scripture. One of my favorite places is Colossians 2, 6, and 7. This is kind of my life and ministry theme passage. Colossians 2, 6, and 7 says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, 
overflowing with thankfulness. So you see that rooted, sinking roots down deep into Jesus Christ. We see this in the Old Testament as well. In Psalm, uh, the first Psalm, the psalmist talks about a man who is righteous, who delights in the Lord. And he describes this man in verse 3 as one who is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Why? Because a tree planted right by a stream of water, a consistent ongoing source of nourishment, will be healthy. There's an idea, while the word's not there, there's this idea of drawing up sustenance from the roots. Being rooted, having our joy being rooted in Christ, really has two key components. For a tree, the roots serve two main purposes, as far as I understand it. Um, I'm no tree specialist. I'm pretty good at killing them, not so good at raising them and keeping them alive, but that's okay. But there are two key components. One is this idea of firmly anchored. The tree is held up by the roots. When the wind blows and the tree sways, it's the roots that hold it fast. So the roots firmly anchor it. Then the roots draw up nourishment. They sustain the life of the tree by drawing up from a source of life from the roots. The roots of our joy must go deeper than the situations of our lives. Situations can bring momentary happiness, and that's good. It's okay to find happiness in in situations in your life. God brings good things along in our lives. But if we root our joy in our situations, what happens when those situations change? What happens when you can't leave your house? What happens when you can't gather with other people? What happens when you lose that job? What happens when your health goes away? What happens to joy then if your joy is rooted in your situation? No, our joy must be rooted in deeper things than our changing situations. Now, let's look at the roots of Paul's joy. And let's go back to Philippians chapter 1 for a second. Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 through 21. Paul tells the Philippians, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul is facing incredible difficulty. Like I said, he's in prison and he's facing the the real possibility of his imminent death. So where's his focus? His focus is not on that situation. His focus, and we see that in these verses, his focus is on his Savior, Jesus Christ. And this pattern, of of not being ignorant, not being unaware of situations, not acting like they don't matter. In many of his letters, he writes and he corrects or instructs situations. But there's a pattern in his letters that while he may address situations, those aren't his focus. The focus is on Jesus Christ and on being rooted in Jesus Christ. One of the places we see this is his letters to the Corinthians. I think the church at Corinth 
was kind of uh, it was kind of like that difficult relative in Paul's family of churches. Maybe you have one of those relatives in your own family. Please don't turn in the room right now and point to who that may be. You, God knows, right? That's between you and him. And maybe it's you, and that's okay. But I think the church at Corinth was that difficult relative. It was a messed up church. When you read First and Second Corinthians, Paul is pointing out one problem after another, after another, after another. They were messed up in their worship. They were messed up in their doctrine. They were messed up in their end times beliefs. They were messed up in the way they were treating each other. On and on and on. And yet he reminds them in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 2 of something really important when he was among them. He says, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The main thing when Paul was with them that he wanted them to see and to hear and to understand was Jesus Christ. And the main thing he wants to remind them, even as he's dealing with all these difficult situations, the main thing he wants to remind them is Jesus Christ. That must be their focus. That must be their ongoing source of joy. We must be rooted in Jesus Christ. I want to read a quote from you. This is from a British preacher and theologian of the mid-1900s. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, Joy is something very deep and profound, something that affects the whole and entire personality. In other words, it comes to this, there is only one thing that can give true joy, and that is contemplation of the Lord Jesus Christ. He satisfies my mind. He satisfies my emotions. He satisfies my every desire. He and his great salvation include the whole personality and nothing less. And in him, I am complete. Joy, in other words, is the response and the reaction of the soul to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a powerful statement about joy in Jesus Christ. But why? Why is true joy only found in Jesus Christ? I said earlier that the roots of a tree sustain the life of the tree and hold it secure. If we go back to John chapter 15, verse 11, that we looked at earlier, Jesus says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Did you catch the joy that Jesus wants them to have? Jesus wants us, and he wanted his disciples, to have his joy. Can you think of anybody that would be more joyous in this world than Jesus Christ? Christ's joy never ends because his plan never fails. He always knows who he is and what he's doing, how it's going to work out, that he will be successful in all he does. He knows that he is perfectly loved and accepted from eternity past to eternity future in the beautiful loving relationship of the Trinity and the Godhead of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ never gets depressed, never gets anxious. He has eternal, unending, never-changing, overflowing joy in himself. And then he says to us, that's what I want you to have. I want you to have my joy in you. This is a source of life-sustaining joy that our roots, our faith, 
can draw up into us. But what about security? What about being held fast? In Romans chapter 8, toward the end of the chapter, Paul has this wonderful passage of our security in Jesus Christ, and it builds to this grand crescendo in these two verses, Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did you catch that? Did did you see that list? You could put that whole list and sum it up as there is no situation. There is no thing, no change, no situation that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There is nothing that can uproot us from God's love through Jesus Christ. So, our roots sunk deep into Jesus draw up a life-sustaining joy and a secure joy that holds us fast and nourishes us forever endeavor. When our roots are in Jesus Christ, we can have a secure and unending joy. But what about when things are tough? What about when difficulty and disaster hits? What about when joy is a struggle? My wife captured this picture when we were in the Adirondacks one time. I saw this tree growing on a boulder. I don't know if you can make it out, but it's kind of jutting off to the side there. And underneath, covered by the roots, is this giant hunk of of rock. And the tree has grown around the rock. I found a website, a gardening website. (laughs) I don't frequent gardening websites often. But I found this quote, normally roots grow downwards in response to growth hormones. This is pretty obvious. Tree sends its roots downward. But under stress, the roots will grow toward any nutrient source. Did you catch that? If the tree can't find sustenance, if it can't find the life-giving nutrients that it needs, the roots will keep on searching. The author said that she saw a tree that had recently fallen over. And it had evidently sprung up in shallow soil with with a firm rock underneath it. And she said when it fell over, you could see the root ball. And you could see all these, these roots that had spread out. And they were all shallow. And it was places where the tree had tried over and over again to root itself in a shallow, unsustaining, unsecure situation. And it wasn't strong enough. And it fell over. So how do we struggle and fight for joy? In many ways, this is going to be the theme of the rest of this sermon series. How do we do this? How do we sink our roots down in Jesus Christ to draw up joy for our lives? But I want to give you a few now through this video. The first is this. Remember that we are called to struggle and fight for joy. Don't ever forget that joy is not just an accidental response to situations. Joy is commanded. And what God commands, God enables. And he has commanded us to seek joy and to rejoice in Jesus Christ. 
Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Another thing to remind ourselves of is to remember our joy is in the Lord, not in our situations, not in our relationships, not in our jobs, not in our health, not in our world, not in our politics. Our joy must be rooted in Jesus Christ. When we begin to sink roots down, seeking joy, and we hit these shallow soils of our situations, and we find no security, no sustenance, keep searching, keep going deeper, seek out Christ in the truth of who he is and what he has done, and sink your roots deeply there. But as you do this, a warning, watch out for false or substitute joys. I read earlier that under stress, roots will grow toward any nutrient source. That doesn't mean that source of nutrients is good. It doesn't mean that it will sustain the tree for a long time. It doesn't mean that it will provide a firm anchor for that tree to hold up when the winds blow. In difficulty, we must not allow our roots to be drawn toward fake or false nourishment. Joy is a deep and lasting satisfaction. Sin is a fake and deceptive substitute that promises satisfaction. But that promised satisfaction is quickly ripped away, only to be held out again a little further down the road the next time we indulge in that sin. This is not joy. That's not satisfaction. It is addiction. It doesn't sustain and secure. It destroys and it separates. As we go through times, as we are right now in our world, or as maybe you're going through in your life right now as you watch this, times where joy becomes a struggle, let us be careful not to settle for the lesser satisfaction that sin offers. The author C.S. Lewis has a famous quote about this that I've used before, but I want to give it to you again. I've slightly edited it. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with sin. When infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum, because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. Let us appropriately struggle, push through to find our joy in Jesus Christ. I read on that same site that trees that are able to sink their roots even through the rocks to find deep down that source of nourishment That those trees, though they have had to struggle and suffer, they often live 10 to 20 times longer than the same species of trees in a pleasant situation. Joy is not an easy thing. It is not a passive response to our situations. It is a search to know Christ better. It is a struggle to push through what we see and what we feel to send our roots down deep into Jesus Christ and never settle for lesser things. This is what this sermon series will be about. 
But you know, I've talked about why joy is important. I've talked about what joy is not. It's not happiness. It's different. I've talked about what joy must be rooted in. Joy must be rooted in Christ and how we must at times struggle for joy. But if you've been a careful watcher, you may have noticed I have not actually given you a definition for joy. So let me do so now here at the end of this introduction to this sermon series. This is my definition based on what I've studied and what the Lord has taught me so far. Christian joy is the unending experience of perfect security and satisfaction rooted in who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for us. It is an unending experience. It doesn't depend on our situation. It doesn't come and go. Christian joy is unending. It is a perfect security. We are firmly rooted in Christ, held fast by the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a perfect satisfaction. We truly get what we most deeply need and most deeply desire. We get Jesus Christ. Our roots are drawing up good, life-sustaining substance from our Savior, our salvation, and our eternal relationship with our Creator through His Son, Jesus Christ. We are rooted in Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. True joy must have deep roots in Jesus Christ. We must know his joy, his truth, his salvation. He has given us through new birth, through his death and resurrection. We are reconciled to God through him. We have a secure future because of who Jesus is and what he has done. And none of that, did you catch this? None of that depends on anything going on in our life or in our world right now. All of it depends on Jesus Christ. So let us end where we began. John 15, chapter 11, the words of Jesus Christ. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete throughout the rest of this sermon series which I pray, Lord willing, we will finish in this room with all of you gathered here But throughout the rest of this series, we will explore together what Scripture says about our deep joy in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are struggling for joy right now. We need true joy. And it's very possible that this time in our life, in our culture, in our world has shaken the foundations of our lives, in our culture, in our world, and has revealed to us that our roots don't go very deep, that we have looked for joy in other places, and now we are left longing for more. Oh, Father, may we sink our roots deep into Jesus Christ for the joy that is there, freely offered, freely given to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. How desperately we need that joy in our lives, in our church, and overflowing to our world especially during this time right now, may we be a demonstration of what it means to be firmly anchored, rooted in joy in Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen.